You're listening to the audio ministries of First Baptist Church of Troy, Texas. You're invited to join us for live and in-person morning worship every Sunday morning at 1045 a.m. Visit fbctroytx.org for a list of our activity times and family-centered community ministries. Now here's today's message. We're going to continue on. Christ in the Old Testament, and we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. I started reading through the book of Proverbs, and I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm hunting for Christ in the book of Proverbs. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, don't make me a liar. I know he's in here. I know he's in here. And it's as, uh, as if God, and I'm going through all of this, and it's as if God said, uh, what book are you in? You know, I'm in Proverbs. And what does that Proverbs give you? I'm a, it gives you wisdom. Duh. Okay, so there we go. I mean, right away, kind of in that. And so we're going to be looking at uh, Proverbs to find Christ. And Proverbs is a category of, of, that is known as wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. It tells us how to live wisely. And to be honest, if anyone were to live by the rules of Proverbs, they would live a wise and a good life. Many of these Proverbs that are in the book of Proverbs were actually credited to Solomon, right? The wisest man who ever lived that did the stupidest thing that any man could do. I mean, you know, and as I read through the Proverbs, I could not help but think, as I was thinking upon his life, that Solomon was one of those that went, uh, do as I say and not as I do, right? That seems to be what Solomon did there. But Because if Solomon would have followed his own advice, Proverbs, he wouldn't have had all the problems that he had. Okay, uh, and maybe that's why he wrote them is because of all those problems. Man, don't do this. Look what this will get you right here. Uh, the book of Proverbs is not only wisdom literature, but it is also poetry. It's very poetical. Um, and the emphasis is on the picture that is painted by the words. To read Proverbs is almost like going to an art museum. Okay, guys? In order to understand its fullness, you got to kind of step back, pause, and ponder upon it a little bit. Rhonda took Kathy and I to an art museum uh, in Houston one time. It had all the famous artists, you know, Rembrandt and, and all these other guys. It had the, it had the uh, paint drop guy. I can't think of his name, but Pollock? Okay. Paint drop. Yeah, he got rich by painting the ceiling and having a cloth down here and whatever drift he hung it up. No, uh, but that's why I kid Rhonda on. Then you got the zipper guy. Hey, all it is is just one straight line. And people go, ooh, who's that? She's shaking her head at me. But anyway, I mean, you know, but, all right, but you look back, but most of it, you step back. And you look at it, and you, you know, when you're up close, have you ever noticed when you get art up close, it doesn't look, you go, what in the world? But you step back, and all of a sudden you go, oh, I see it. I see what it's trying to do. And when you look at it and you ponder upon it, Proverbs is something like that. As you, as you ponder upon Proverbs, you'll be reminded of Christ. Uh, and so in reflecting upon the wisdom of Proverbs, you're going to be reminded of the one who is wise. Let me get, whoop, I get the right button here. The one who is wisdom. 
As you read Proverbs and you consider the wisdom that is there, honestly, folks, you, can, you have to marvel. You really do. Solomon said this, they are, that the Proverbs are for learning what wisdom and discipline are, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving wise instructions uh, uh, in righteousness, justice and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance uh, for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. I mean, Proverbs is, is, is to teach us how to live. You know, as I said earlier, if anyone were to live by the book of Proverbs, they would live a good life. And when I mean anyone, folks, I mean anyone. The, the, the young, the old, the rich, the poor, male, female, believer, non-believer. The intellectual and folks like me, the not-so-intellectual, right? I mean, these Proverbs aren't just for special people. They are literally for anyone, for anyone to live. And in them, you will find the wisdom for living life. However, even though wise men wrote them down, the wisdom of Proverbs did not come from the mind of men. What you read in Proverbs did not come from the mind of men. The wisdom of Proverbs came from the mind of God. Why? Because God wants mankind to live wisely. Again, if Solomon would have followed the wisdom of the Proverbs, he wouldn't have had the problems he had. So in the wisdom of Proverbs, we see the wisdom of God. Because, can you think of anyone wiser than God? There isn't. There's no one wiser than God. God is wisdom. So in the whole book, we see the wisdom of God for living life if one would just put it into practice. Now, the question is, where is Jesus in this? Well, listen to what the Apostle Paul had to say. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Now, notice that Paul did not say here that Christ has God's power and, God, and Christ has God's wisdom. What does he say? He says Christ is God's power and Christ is God's wisdom. Christ is God's wisdom because Christ is God. There you go. Christ is is God's wisdom. So as we read the book of Proverbs and we see its wisdom, we see Christ. We see Christ in all that wisdom. We see Christ because He is God's wisdom. Now, there are also some other verses in Proverbs that also cause us to think of Christ. And we're going to camp on these. So I'm going to ask if you're in your Bibles, just turn to Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. We're going to be camping on verses 1 through 4 of Proverbs 30. When I got to this, folks, it's as if God took a major two by four and whacked me a couple of times up against the head. I mean, this is just, uh, this is just good stuff that we're going to be looking at. 
Because what we're going to do is we not only have the one who is wisdom that we see in Proverbs, but we also have the one who gives us knowledge of God. The one who gives us knowledge of God. The words of Agar, son of Jekah, the oracle. The man's oration to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal. I am more stupid than any man, and I lack man's ability to understand. Let me get on the screen here too so y'all can do it. Also, if you don't have it. I have not gained wisdom, and I have no knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his hands? Who has bound up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his and what is the name of his son? If you know. I read that. And I went, whoa, I had to back up and read it again. Back up and read it again. Back up and read it again. Now, as you read this, you need to remember that it is written in a poetical way. You've got to step back and again, as you would a piece of art, and ponder upon it and let it speak to you. Uh, now, you may be saying, okay, let me, let, who, is, who is Agar? You know, we have Agar, son of Jekyll. Uh, the oracle, and then the man's oration to Ithiel, and to Ithiel to Ukal. And you might go, well, who are these guys? I have not a clue. I'm just going to be honest with you. I looked up in commentaries. You know what the commentaries said? They don't have a clue. We don't know who these guys are. They just moved in. I mean, you know, we don't know. Uh, in fact, we don't know if Jekyll or Ithiel or Ukal, we don't know if those are proper names or if those are titles. We really don't know. The Hebrew, we don't know what that means in the Hebrew word, okay? We have no clue. But what we do know is that this is an oracle of Agar, okay? It's an oracle or a prophecy from him. And he starts off saying, that he is the stupidest man on the earth. As I read it, I wanted to stop and say, oh, no, buddy, I got you on this one, you know? And then I thought of some of, never mind. Uh, but, but folks, that can't be true. It can't be true. He can't be the stupidest man on the face of the earth. I mean, because God used him to write some of the wisdom proverbs. So this man is not a dumb guy. But he feels as if he is stupid. Why? It's because he does not have a knowledge of God. Now, this doesn't mean he doesn't know of God because that next verse there in, in five, first part 5 says every word of God is pure. So he knows of God. But we've got a problem here. It's not that he doesn't know of God. It's that he doesn't have an intimate knowledge of God. That's exactly what he's saying here. I don't have an intimate knowledge of God. He doesn't have a close relationship with God. And, and that's what he wants. That is the wisdom he desires. To know God in a close and an intimate way. With everything he knows. With all that he knows. All the worldly wisdom this man has. If he doesn't have an intimate knowledge of God, then it's as if he knows nothing. But he says, there is a problem in knowing God intimately. He has a problem. He asks, who has gone up to heaven 
and come down. What he's saying here is, how can I get to know God when I can't get to where he is? I mean, if I want to get to know you, I go to your house, we sit down, we talk, we eat, we, we drink a cup of coffee or a, a, a Diet Coke or something like that, you know? We spend time together, but, but Ugar's saying, how can I get to know God? I can't even get to where he is. And there's no one that I know of who has gone up and come back from heaven and, and to, so they could tell me about him. At least I may not know about, I may not know about a friend of yours today, but if you are close with them and we talk, I can get to know him better. I can get to know him more intimately. Agar is saying, I don't even have that. To have an intimate knowledge of someone, you have to be with them, spend time with them, or find someone who has and spend time with them. That was a problem in the Old Testament. There was no way, no way of having an intimate relationship with God and therefore really knowing Him. Now you might say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was, there was Moses. Remember, he went up on the mountain. He did not have an intimate relationship with God. God had to hide Himself from Moses, otherwise Moses would have died. There was not a face-to-face, -face, a hug, and all that intimate knowledge. In the Old Testament, it wasn't there. There was no way of having it. And then he talks about gathering the wind in his hands or, or the water in his cloak. What he's saying here, that, that trying to get to know God in an intimate way is like trying to catch the wind in your hands. You ever tried to do that? Can't do it. Like trying to control a raging storm with a raincoat. It ain't going to happen. It's futile. You can catch, as you read this, you cannot help but hear the frustration in his writing. The frustration in knowing what he perceives as the futility of trying to know God. He asks if anyone can create. The idea behind as he, put, as he has there establishing the foundations of the earth, that's creation language. Has anyone created? His reasoning is this. If someone has created, then they will have to personally know God who Himself has created. So if you've created, then you'll know God who's created. But of course He says, huh, no one has. Again, futility. He's saying that if someone's done any of these things, then they will have an intimate knowledge of God. But no one has. And so there's no way of knowing God. There's no way of really knowing God intimately. And then Agar asks another question. And in this question now, he is referring back up to not having the knowledge of the Holy One, of God. He asks this question, what is the name of God? What is the name of God? Now, any Israelite who would have been reading this would have said, oh, 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 I know. It's Yahweh. I know God's name. I got this one right. And, and, and I could see, I could see Aaron going, well, that's good. Now let me ask you another question. What's his son's name? The Jew of that day would have stopped and said, what? I don't know. In fact, I didn't even know he had a son. Just because you know someone's name doesn't mean you know them intimately. Right? 
I can throw around the name of George Strait all day long. Doesn't mean I know him intimately. I can throw around the name of George Bush all day long. Doesn't mean I know him intimately. Right? And what Agar is saying here in, in his two questions, what's the name of God and what is the name of his son, is this. is how can you know God intimately if you don't know he has a son in the name of his son? How can you say you know him intimately? In knowing the son, they would be able to have an intimate personal knowledge of God. That's really the whole context of, of those four verses there in Proverbs 30. Agar saying, I am ignorant because I don't know God intimately and I can't know God if I don't know the name of His Son. And You can't say you have an intimate relationship with God if you don't know the Son. Proverbs 30 is really all about a mystery. It really is. It's a mystery. Who is God? Who is His Son? What's the name of His Son? The mystery of how can I know God intimately? And that's where Proverbs 30 leaves us. It leaves the reader hanging with that mystery. Can I ever get to know God? Can I know God intimately? Can I have a personal relationship with God? How can I do that? That's where it leaves us and it just leaves us hanging there. But as the old Paul Harvey radio show used to say, but now the rest of the story. For those of you too young to remember Paul Harvey, find an old person and ask him. <laughs> I'd be one of them. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians is on the other end of the mystery. Okay, here Agar's on this end. He's looking, so we have no clue. I have no clue. What is this? We have no idea. The Apostle Paul's on the other end going, I got the answer. I got the answer. He knows the answer to the question of Proverbs 30. Let me get here. Whoops, I'm pushing the wrong button the wrong way. The mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you're able to understand my insight about the mystery of the Messiah. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now then, did you see that one sentence that was there? This was not made known to people in other generations. Who was in that other generation? Agar. That's Agar! That's the mystery that he, he did not understand. It was not made known to him. Agar said, there is a mystery to knowing God, and I don't know it, but I need it. And then Paul says, I know the answer. Whoops, let me get here. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah. And to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in, he in the heavens. 
This is according to his eternal purpose, accomplished in the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? Jesus our Lord. And then Paul says this, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him, and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Paul says, I know the answer to the mystery that Agar had. And the answer is this. To have an intimate relationship with God comes by knowing and having an intimate personal relationship with His Son whose name is Jesus. It's no longer a mystery of how you can have a personal intimate relationship with God. You have it by having a relationship with Jesus. The mystery is solved. We know how to do that. We know that Jesus is the one who gives us knowledge, the intimate, personal knowledge of God, because Jesus is God. To know Jesus is to know God. I want to close by quickly looking again at the questions of Agar, the questions that he had no answer to, but we do. When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So who has gone up to heaven and come down? Jesus. And who has gone up to heaven and will be coming down? Jesus. Answer to Hagar's question, right? A fierce windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence! Be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Huh. Who holds the wind in his hands and binds the storms in his cloak? Jesus. Yeah, the answer is Jesus. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. John's talking of who here? Jesus. So who has established all the ends of the earth? Who created everything? Jesus. Man, we're answering Agar's questions right and left right here. Right? And then, now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call His name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So what is the name of the Lord Most High? 
Jesus. That's the name of the Son of God. Jesus. We have all the answers to Abraham's questions of how we can know God intimately. The only way to have an intimate, close, personal relationship with God is to know personally Jesus Christ. To know the Son is to know the Father. There is no other way. That's it. I mean, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, through Jesus, right? No other way. So the question for us to look at, the question we need to ask, because we know the answers to the questions of Agar now, the question that we need to ask is, do I have a relationship with the Son? And therefore, I have a relationship with the Father. Because I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter how much worldly wisdom you have if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and therefore you don't have a close personal relationship with God. You don't know anything. That's just the way it is. You don't know anything. But God wants you to know Him through knowing His Son. That's why Jesus came. So you can know Him. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, I want to urge you to do so. Don't leave here today. Don't turn that computer off without first praying, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm asking you to be my Lord, my Savior. Today I want to have a relationship with you and therefore have a relationship with the Father. I'm going to trust my eternity to you, Jesus, and you alone. I'm giving myself to you. You pray that prayer. I promise you, according to God's Word, it's not magic of the Word, so if you don't get all the words, that's okay. But it's of the heart. If you mean it, then I promise you, you've got a relationship with Jesus, and you now got a relationship with the Father, and you know all the answers now of Agar's questions, personally. Maybe you're here today, and, and man, you, uh, you're a believer, but you haven't been walking the walk. You haven't been living that Christian life. You aren't showing people Jesus. You aren't showing them a personal relationship with Jesus. And you need to do that. That helps draw them to Jesus today. Maybe you need to come to the altar, just kneel and pray and just recommit your life to Him. Maybe today the Lord says, man, this is a place I want you to be a part of. I want you to join this church. We'd invite you to come if the Lord leads during this invitation time. Whatever God's laid on your heart, do what He's asking you to do. But one thing I do know, Without a doubt, you see Christ in Proverbs. You can't miss Him. He's there. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank You for this wonderful book of wisdom. Lord, how, Lord, truly, when I started in re-looking at it, I kind of doubted myself. And then You just opened it up. So I could not miss Jesus at all. Lord, thank You for that. And Lord, as we have considered that Christ is wisdom, and that Father, He, Lord, through, if we will follow His wisdom, we will live a good life. But Lord, His wisdom also tells us that 
We cannot know you without knowing him. And without knowing him, we have no hope of heaven. So, Father, I just pray that, Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that today they would come to know his wisdom of it and accept him as their Lord and Savior, realizing what he did on the cross for them so that they could be in heaven. Father, I pray for believers who haven't been walking that walk, that, Lord, they are not showing people Jesus in their lifestyle, the wisdom of Christ in their lifestyle, that today they would recommit themselves to you. Lord, for those that maybe you are drawing here to this place, to this church family, Lord, Lord, just speak to them. Father, this is your time. This is your invitation to us to act upon what you have called us to do. Lord, may our answer to you be yes. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We'd like to personally thank you for taking the time out of your day to hear our latest message. Do us a favor and send an email to outreach at fbctroytx.org to let us know that you heard us and what you thought of the message. Remember to visit fbctroytx.org to learn more about how we support our local community. Again, thank you for listening.